the sleeper in the bus. There's skill, there's luck. A keeper or cut. Open file, a case shut. A short stop or stop short. Press player, press support. Intelligence for sports. Good of y'all to listen. Aiming at what truth is. Mike and Eno pitching like the name is Michael Lewis. Others in the dust or left out to rust. Who's hitting? Who's missing? The sleeper in the bus. The sleeper in the bus. Hello out there in Fantasyland, and welcome to The Sleeper on the Bust. I'm Mike Podhorzer, and I'm joined today by Rotograph's editor, Eno Saris. And, of course, we'll be discussing the Biogenesis suspension fallout, as well as several prospect call-ups, and perhaps an imminent one. And so, before we get to the most interesting player alive today, obviously, as much as I did not want to talk about this and pretend this never actually happened, we got to say something about the suspensions, right? So... Any just general reaction that you want to talk about before we actually get to any specific players? Uh, I don't know. I mean, so, I know you're pissed about Ryan Braun. You have him in Tout Wars, and that kind of screwed you. Yeah, yeah. And I was actually starting to get back in it a little bit, but uh, not that I would win. You, you look like you might win. Congratulations. <laughs> Hopefully, that'll uh, promote me to the big leagues next year. Uh, right, exactly. Um, yeah, I just, you know, the thing that actually annoys me the most, because I actually think it's a feudal um, uh, war, it's like a war on a concept, like the war on terror. I just feel like it's, you know, steroids are never going to get out of the game, because cheating's never going to get out of the game. Uh, because, you know, it's the, if you're not cheating, you're not trying idea. And if you look back at the history of baseball, they've, there have always been cheaters. There have been cheaters... That you know they they were drinking and injecting weird things back in the 20s, uh, in the 70s the Steelers were all doing steroids. Uh, there were corked bats, uh, you know spitballs. It's just you know it, there's a lot of money in the game. There there's a lot on the line, and people will do whatever they need to to win. Um, and you know it's not just winning like if you and I played a game of basketball and you know I was cheating to beat you. You know that's not that's not the same thing. This is like your livelihood is on the line, and there are a million dollars there for the grabbing. Uh, I think that a lot of us that might feel like we wouldn't do these things would would have a different uh, look at it when all of a sudden it's your family on the line and the difference between, especially look at Melky Cabrera. He had the difference between you know doing what he was doing and maybe getting a five hundred thousand dollar deal, uh, you know, and maybe. Maybe just subsisting, maybe being the miners for some time, or he juices and he gets eight million dollars a year even after he gets caught. So, I mean, there's just too much on the line, and you know we can do what we can do, and I and I think we should do it, I guess. But um, you know, in the, in, when it comes to the real life game, I'm sort of agnostic. I feel like we can't do anything about it. Fantasy, it's screwing me up, man. I <laughs> suspensions, I hate them. Yeah, well, it's really true because it seems like all the testing methods are reactive rather than proactive because all the labs and the technology in the actual design of the drugs and the masking agents are way ahead of the testing. So anytime they come up with testing methods to basically catch all of the the users now, the the labs are just going to come up with something new to to mask a a new kind of drug. And if these players still want to cheat, they'll just take that new drug and then they'll continue to cheat and they're just never going to be caught. And then it's just going to continue on and on and never end. And and Major League Baseball will find a testing method for the most recent masking agent and then they're going to come up with a new one. And it's just going to be a cat and mouse game for the rest of life. 
Yeah, and who has more money? Uh, it, you know, the owners have more money, but do the owners care? And is baseball spending the same amount of money as the baseball players are spending on this? I doubt it because there, you know, once you once you start making money, you have the incentive to spend a lot of money on on your chemist. So uh, you know, we'll see this play out a little bit with A Rod. You know, he has so much money that he's like, I'm going to defend my legacy. I'm gonna, I'm not going to go out. I'm not going to take this 200 game suspension and basically almost retire. I'm going to spend my money fighting you. Um, so. You know, there's money on both sides, and they're just going to keep playing this game for a long time. I just wish that the stakes weren't so high for my fantasy teams. I mean, you know, you, you, you're used to Tommy John surgery crapping you out on a pitcher, but now you've got position players that can lose as much time to, you know, can lose as much time, period, uh, if they get popped for steroids. Because a 50-game suspension sounds a lot like, you know, uh-oh, his elbow ligament popped and, and we lost him. So... Now there's risk on both the pitching and hitting sides that's been introduced to fantasy, and, and, and it's hard to deal with. Yeah, it's kind of crazy the effect that these suspensions are going to actually have on fantasy leagues. I mean, this is basically two months' worth of performance from guys who have major impacts in fantasy leagues, and they're just gone. So obviously injuries happen, but this is not something that anyone really expected. I think everybody basically kind of ignored the risk during the draft. And then as the season went on, I mean, even we talked about it and we thought, oh, everybody's going to appeal. There probably won't be any impact this year. And we were wrong. We had no idea. We were even saying, hey, go out and trade for them. If they're 75 cents on the dollar, why don't you trade for Nelson Cruz? He's not going to be suspended. He's going to be appealing. Yeah, that- yeah. you know, what's ironic is that that's probably what's going to happen just for one player. And I think A-Rod's probably going to play the season out under appeal. Yeah. Uh, let's start with the Rangers, though. So Nelson Cruz being out, does this mean that Jerickson Profar is going to play every day? So yesterday he played shortstop. Elvis Andrews was a DH. And the other day he played third base. Adrian Beltre was the DH. So you have to think they don't have any clear DH candidate. Maybe Profar is just going to move all around the infield, giving a player uh, a day off and allow him to DH. And Profar is going to pretty much play every day. Is that how you think it's going to happen? Yeah, I guess. It's just so weird to see somebody like Elvis Andrews DHing. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. He has, like, zero value with the bat. <laughs> I don't think Ron Washington really looks at that stuff. So, Well, the, the thing that's upsetting to me is just that uh, they pulled the plug on the profile in the outfield idea. And uh, athletic guy like that, I, I understand that he hasn't played a lot of outfield and maybe it didn't look good right at the beginning, but... Their need right now is in the outfield because, especially when you look at platoon things, because right now the best outfielders they have are Martin, uh, Murphy, and Gentry. And all three of those guys have been platooned in their careers and probably should be platooned. Uh, although we don't really know what Martin can do against lefties. So I would say Martinez is the one guy that will probably benefit from this the most and will play and will play every day instead of being platooned. But if, if Provar could play the outfield, all of a sudden he can at very least platoon uh, for Murphy and Gentry. Um, and Murphy was dropping balls left and right yesterday. Profar can't do that. So I, I feel like uh, I really feel like Gentry and Murphy should platoon and Profar should get a shot to play every day in the outfield. Yeah, well, that's probably not going to happen just because they the, the team said that if Nelson Cruz is suspended that he's going to see – the majority of his time in the infield. So 
I mean, I don't think he's really had enough experience there that in the the thing of a playoff race, they don't really want to take that risk. So I guess uh, this is, yeah, that's true. And and unfortunately, they don't have another first baseman because really Moreland has played the outfield, and if you wanted experience, you could put Moreland out there. Except that the problem is that Moreland's another lefty. So this is a weird team. They've got uh, they're 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 a good team, and they'll probably get a wild card. I'm not sure that they'll win their division. So uh, I think that they were maybe smart not to spend it all to try and get out of the wild card race. Maybe next year is their year. But, you know, they do have some long-term issues in terms of left-handedness and, you know, first base and the corner outfield. Although, you know, to be fair, those are good issues to have. I feel like first baseman and corner outfielders are things that you can go find on the market. Well, the surprising injury to Lance Berkman screwed everything up. <laughs> Who so get injured and miss time this year? It shocked never, me. <laughs> never thought that would happen. <laughs> so is Profar going to have value in like shallower twelve team mixed leagues? Uh, well, I traded him away, so uh, we're going to go with no then. <laughs> well, I, you know, I just needed to. I, I was in first place, and I needed a sure thing, and I needed runs in RBI, and, and it might sound. Uh, disgusting to some, but I traded him away for Michael Young just because. Wow. You know, I thought Michael Young's going to play every day. I don't know. I can't. I can't always be there to set my lineup. You know, minutes before the game starts and know that Profar's starting. So with Michael Young, I bought into runs in RBI and just stick a guy in there who won't hurt my batting average. But um, you know, if you if you need a little bit, that was a first place kind of decision. If you're not in first place, uh, I could see. You know, picking up Profar. Yeah, I feel like at this time, at his age, I mean, he's only 20 years old right now. I feel like he's a better real-life player than fantasy player because he has a little bit of power, some speed. He should make better contact because his swinging strike rate is really good. But it seems more like replacement level, maybe like a 10-10 guy this year. Obviously, at his age, he's got a lot of years to develop and... Eventually, he could be a five-category producer in at an infield position, which would be really good in fantasy. But right now, I mean, he's too young. He just doesn't have the power. He's not a great base dealer, not a big base dealer. So I, I just, I think he's pretty close to replacement level in a shallow league. What about uh, Angle Beltry? Who's going to give them two Beltries in the lineup? Any value here? Uh, yeah, he's he's a flawed guy. I I hope. I hope he's not Julio Borbon, but there's some Julio Borbon in him. I mean, he's a, he's a speedy guy, no walks, uh, too many strikeouts, no power. And, uh, you know, the nice thing is he's a lefty, so, um, you know, they at least have a guy that they can throw out there against righties. I should have said earlier that the Rangers are a little bit righty-heavy. Um, and, no, no, they're lefty-heavy. Well, that means that they've just got another lefty. That that doesn't mean that means that Beltre is a problem. Actually, I don't. I don't. You know, I don't think that he solves anything for them. Yeah, I agree. I don't really see much value here. Maybe some cheap steals, but other than that, I mean, when he plays, he's gonna be in the bottom of the lineup because he doesn't walk, and he has you know limited power. And he wasn't a very good base stealer at AAA this year. Fourteen steals, ten caught. So who knows how often he's gonna actually run. So, I mean, obviously, AL only, got to take a chance, but leave him there, and that's it. What about Alex Rodriguez? Any value here? Or, I mean, personally, I don't think he'll be any more than replacement level. I mean, can't imagine him stealing any bases. And at his age, 
the power. Maybe a full season brings 20 home runs, but he's going to hit like 250 or so. Yeah. I mean, you can the, the trends are pretty clear, uh, even without, uh, you know, sort of accounting for juice. Um, 2012, he had 270 with 18 homers in three quarters of a season. That's probably his upside. Um, so that's that sounds like you said. So 270, 20. Um, he did steal 13 bases last year, but then you know that's a, that's something to think about with uh, the juice. I guess is is I guess he's probably off it because he doesn't want to get popped for it while he's under appeal. <laughs> um, so let's see, if you do take the stolen bases away and you look more like 2011, where he hit 270 with 16 homers and four stolen bases. Um, you know that's what you're looking at. If the batter comes down, uh, definitely, you know, the, the underrated thing is uh, in, in this, you know, it's really hard to figure out exactly what steroids is. And I tried to do, uh, I tried to look at Ryan Braun and, and think of his homer output um, based on some, re- some physics research um, about, you know, how, many home, how much muscle mass helps homers. Um, but, you know, steroids don't only help uh, power, they help contact ability. And if you look at Everth Cabrera's uh, numbers, he uh, the major thing is not power. Uh, he he cut his swinging strike rate almost in half, and his strikeout rate dipped. So you know if you're looking at A Rod's numbers and you're assuming that he's post post steroid, uh, then you know even though he you know he's struck out less than 20 percent most of his career, you could probably pencil him in for 22, 23, 24 percent strikeout rate, which means the 250 you're talking about is is probably correct. Yeah, Everett Cabrera is a reminder that steroids doesn't instantly make you a huge power hitter. I mean, he hit all four home runs this year, and his isolated slugging was still sub-100. That's like Juan Pierre-esque. So, I mean, we all think that, oh, it's going to add 10 to 20 home runs onto your total. But no, that's not necessarily the case. We don't really know the exact effects that steroids has, and it probably has a different effect on different players based on their hitting style and their body type. Yeah, yeah. And, and even even um, even a player like Braun, when I when I looked at it, um, you know, there's a there's a chance that even without steroids, he's like a twenty five to twenty eight home run hitter. So you're talking about adding five or six homers to to a guy's ta- um, you know, to a guy's line. But um, anyway, I do think that A Rod could have some sneaky value probably mostly in deeper leagues, somebody that out there doesn't have a third baseman. Um, and I think he's going to walk, and I think that he's going to help the Yankee offense, so he'll have decent runs in RBI when he's in the in there. But, uh, uh, yeah, I don't think that he's – I think that he could be – I mean, you said – what did you say, replacement level for, for 12, 12 teams? Yeah, I, because I also think he's probably going to miss time. I mean, you got to assume he's 38 years old. He's probably going to have some aches and pains where he's going to sit out a game here and there, and he's not necessarily going to be playing every single game as well. Right. I, 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 I will agree with your um, calling him replacement level, but I will just put an asterisk that sometimes replacement level is helpful. I mean, you know, that's why we call it replacement level. So somebody out there, you know, has a Ramos Ramirez in their DL and, <laughs> and uh, has been running somebody else out there at third they're not so proud of. And the long season hall? Yeah, exactly. And might, might actually uh, get an improvement with, uh, with A-Rod. All right. Uh, I didn't want to talk about this the entire podcast, but I'm really interested in 2014 performance expectations. So I do want to talk about this before we get to anything else. 
because I'm, I'm really curious in drafts next year how this affects the values of Braun, Peralta, Cruz, and Everest Cabrera. I have a feeling that all of them are going to end up being dramatically undervalued. I don't know. I mean, it's hard. We have uh, such great readers. Uh, <laughs> just to kiss their ass for a second. Uh, but, uh, you know, our comment section are not necessarily um, uh, representative of the of baseball, fantasy baseball as a whole. No, uh, absolutely so not. Um, yeah, so. The commenter's well, IQ level is definitely double that of the rest of the fantasy. Exactly. Let's, let's <laughs> some more. Uh, no, but I mean, the main thing, the reason I bring that up is I, in my Braun piece, I basically, you know, looked at the effect of storage and then looked at the worst case scenario and the best case scenario, assuming that Ryan Braun would stop juicing um, and basically said that my back of the envelope pencil projection for him would be 280, 285 with like 25 homers and 10 steals because his st stolen bases were going down anyway. Um, and uh, this might have an effect on that, plus a uh, little bit of contact rate uh, change and then just a little bit fewer, a little bit less power. So that's still a very interesting player. I think that's probably a top three round player. Um, do I think it's a top of the first round thing? I don't know. And there were commenters that said, yeah, don't worry about it. Take him in the top five. You know, Ryan Braun will be back next year. And of course, the big question is, is he really going to stop the juice or are these players really going to stop juicing? Yeah, that is the biggest question because, as we were talking about earlier with masking agents, if these guys want to continue juicing, they're going to find other methods to mask what they're taking and, and not be caught in the future. Yeah, I mean, like one of the ones that Braun supposedly took was a cream that he put on at the end of the game when they don't test uh, that whose effects were gone by game time the next day. Um, so that's... Uh, that seems like a very difficult, uh, difficult drug to, to stop. So, so he made more of like a recovery, a muscle recovery type of yeah, steroid. Exactly. But I mean, in general, that's what steroids are best at is that they help you recover so you can maintain a really high level of working out, um, you know, an almost superhuman level of working out. So, um, you know, you could do something where you play the game, you work out after the game, you use the, the cream and you you did more work that day than than, you know, normal humans or normal baseball players uh, could have done. And by the next day, you're not as sore because you've used the cream. So Interesting. But, you know, I guess, you know, assuming they'd stop doing the juice, um, I would still take Braun in the top three rounds. I think he's still going to have power and speed and have a good batting average. Just I don't think he's a 30-30 candidate anymore. Um, I would still take uh, Cabrera as a shortstop with speed, but I would mentally project him for more of his old 250, 260 batting average um, with his old contact rate, just in case that's what happens as he goes back to his old contact rate and goes off the juice. Yeah, I mean, I think even without the whole steroids shadow uh, or cloud hanging over the names, I think Braun Peralta and Cruz, it would have been interesting to project them either way because Braun with the lack of steel, so... Juice or no juice, do the steals come back? Peralta's power has been up and down throughout his career. 10 home runs, 22 home runs. So without steroids, is he an 8-home run guy now or a 15-home run guy because his true talent is 20 home runs? And Nelson Cruz, with his injuries and his home run per fly ball jumping all around, is he a true talent 36-home run guy or a 27-home run guy? And then off the juice, does that 
does he become a 20 home run guy or a 25 home run guy? So even without the juice, there were questions next year anyway. So I think these guys are going to be very interesting to see where they end up falling in drafts. Yeah, that's why I focus on Braun and Cabrera because I still think those guys are mixed league no matter what. They've had some ups and downs. But, you know, even at their worst, they showed Braun showed power and a little bit of speed and his contact rate is good. And, and, and uh, Cabrera, um, you know, even at his worst, was like a 250 hitter with 35, 40 stolen base speed, which is, uh, you know, probably still top 12 at that position. So both those guys, I think, are mixed leaguers. Uh, Peralta, for me, has been hanging out in the 15s to 20s for a long time anyway. Um, and uh, that makes him a deep leaguer. You know, it, it makes the stakes lower, and it means that you'll be picking him in double-digit rounds no matter what league you're in, and, and you, the risk is lower. So, you know, just have to wait until you feel like, eh, you know, the rest of the crew doesn't look so great either. Uh, Cruz is very interesting. I mean, he's a late bloomer. He's 33. Uh, you know, he should have been showing more decline perhaps than he has. So maybe that's a little bit of what's going on with the steroids. So, uh, Nelson Cruz, man, I, I don't end up with him a lot just because I'm worried about the injuries every year. And, you know, as he gets older every year, I, I worry about those injuries more. Yeah. He's probably not worth the risk just based on his injury history. Again, even without the steroids, you always have to be cautious about projecting with a 500 at bat from him to begin with. True. All right, let's move along. Finally, we'll get to our most interesting player alive today. And today's top search for a player is Mike Trout. Don't feel like talking about him. So we're going to talk about the number two guy, Justin Smoke, who's batting 500. It's only 9 for 18. Don't go crazy. In August, two home <laughs> runs. So he's been pretty hot, and he's been he's actually had value in 12-team uh, mixed leagues uh, the last couple of weeks. So, again, he's one of those guys, those first basemen, who's always on the verge of, is he going to break out? And right now, he's actually contributing in batting average for the first time ever, because his BABIP is finally at a, a good mark at 335, the first time it's even above 273. Is I mean, is this basically the beginnings of a breakout here, or is it just a little hot streak? I mean, it's taken him this long to, pl- to post a plus BABIP um, on the season. You know, he's like, hovering in the 260s his whole career, and now he's got a 330. Uh, the, thing that, the thing that makes me not worry too much that I missed on Smoke and that I've dropped him in a couple deep leagues is that even with this plus Babbitt, he's like a 270-20 guy full season. Yeah. And at first base, that just uh, the, I'm not crying about missing out on that one. But what about this? Average batted ball distance, 295 feet. You know what? That's more than Chris Carter, Brandon Moss, and Prince Fielder. I mean, he still hits in Seattle, right? Yeah, he does. I mean, and that that's definitely a problem. I'm checking out his splits right now. Four home runs at home, seven away. So, and his ISO at home, 138 versus away, 197. So clearly, Seattle is definitely still hurting him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe he's a more of a 25 homer guy in a in a neutral park all year, but. And then that, you know, you know, that probably adds a couple of ticks. And then you're talking about 275, 25, and it starts to sound like, a, you know, like an Adam LaRoche bottom of the, you know, bottom, not bottom of the barrel, but, you know, bottom of the usable bunch. Yeah, LaRoche is a good comp. You know what? I think the Rangers should trade back for him. 
<laughs> could use but seriously, one on the outfield. Yeah, or or one of them DH. But seriously, Justin Smoke, if he was still in Texas, I think he would be a breakout sleeper all over the place because he moves from a terrible park to a great park for lefties, and and that would be a great situation from him. And I think a lot of people would be talking about him. Yeah, they. They, you know, they move the, the fences in, but the, I think one of the biggest drivers of uh, park factors is, is temperature, and you know they didn't change the temperature at all. So maybe they should look into that. Get like a weather machine, or or get a dome. Don't they? Is that a dome? They don't have a. a they have a closable. They do have a closable dome, but I think that you're still sort of subject to the temperature outside. Yeah. And also, you know, they may not close it based on temperature. They may close it based on rain. Yeah. And Seattle does rain a lot, but yeah, maybe they should just close it all the time and make it like 95 degrees, very humid <laughs> for their offense. <laughs> Wreak havoc on the wardrobes of the Seattleites. <laughs> right. They're going to all have to come naked or not many clothes just so they can stay comfortable. All right, let's move along to New York. Big news that David Wright is going to be out uh, a month or so with an injury and Wilmer Flores was actually called up today, and he's going to be the full-time third baseman. And uh, he's been a, a pretty big prospect for a number of years, right? And he's still pretty young. I mean, he's still only – what is he, 22? He's 22 today. Happy birthday, Wilmer Flores. What an exciting birthday present. Woohoo! <laughs> um, I mean, I am uh, you know, a Mets fan, and so I actually – I hope that I am unbiased. Um and I have been waiting to see him in the bigs for a while. Uh, but I also am not super excited. I mean, you have to really discount. He, he showed the best power of his career. Um, you know, he had the best power of his career this year, but uh, he was also in Las Vegas. So if you, if you sort of mentally shave a couple of points of ISO off of that, uh, you're looking at a guy who pretty much in the minor leagues showed the ability to make contact and have maybe league average power, um, but he doesn't walk at all. I think an interesting comp is actually Daniel Murphy um, with fewer steals. So that That's might a bad be... player. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not an exciting player at all. Well, I mean, I, there's a little more power there. So I think, you know, maybe he could do uh, 280 with 15 homers type thing. Yeah, I like the fact that he makes good contact, but I did read uh, a really interesting article a couple of months ago on the Las Vegas team and how the Mets got stuck there and how ridiculous of a park it is and the conditions there in terms of how conducive it is to offense. Uh, I think Zach, Zach Wheeler was mentioned there because he was pitching in Las Vegas and, and how it was more impressive that he still posted pretty good rates in ERA based on those conditions. And and Flores's uh, ISO was over 200. That's you know solid. But yeah, I mean he looks like a, a 15 homer guy with a, a decent average. Um, I mean it, if he has shortstop eligibility, that's probably playable. Maybe he'll he'll chip in two or three steals or something. But at third base, that's not somebody you want to be starting. Yeah, and you know also uh, relevant uh, to this discussion is actually defense for once. He uh, cannot play third base long term I do not think um, so uh, they moved him offshore a long time ago they moved him to third and they said uh oh uh, I'm not sure he can handle third and then you know they started talking about second 
then they decided probably not second either. Uh, and then they tried the outfield. They were talking about trying the outfield, and you know, if he's a first baseman, two eighty fifteen is a lot less sexy. Wait, so he's not good defensively at shortstop either? No, he's definitely never going to be a shortstop. So I so. guess that's why they never called him up to replace the uh, hulking duo of Omar Quintanilla and Ruben Tejada. Yeah, exactly. Well, hey, how about so. the Rangers trade for Wilmer Flores and make them his D- their DH? <laughs> Interesting. Well, we're proposing well, he probably he would make it through waivers. So, yeah. but um, you know, third base, I I shouldn't be so quick to poo poo. I mean, there are a lot of bad third basemen out there. So there's a chance at third base. The problem is they have a third baseman. So um, maybe he auditions and they trade him in the offseason and he plays third for somebody else. That's definitely a possibility. Um, but, um, you know, I think that David Wright would want to come back too because uh, this team was uh, showing its fans a little bit of momentum with the young starting pitching. And, you know, there's some bright spots on this team. And, you know, that was the reason they said that they weren't going to trade Marlon, Braid. Marlon Bird was because he's useful and the team was doing well and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I would have traded Mar- Marlon Bird if I were them. And, you know, now you see why because they don't have great depth um, on the infield. They don't have great depth with position players. Their outfield is hanging on by a wire and, and now they don't have the prospect Bird could have brought them. Um, but I do think David Wright will try to come back and I don't think his season is over. Marlon Bird equals veteran leadership, and you can't put a number on that. Yes, and also man boobs. Oh, he has man boobs? Yeah, he has man boobs. <laughs> and he, and he's, he, there's this whole piece on he was very uh, perturbed and didn't understand why he had them. And <laughs> he did not Had nothing to do with the performance-enhancing drug masking agent that he was got caught with. In fact... The, the thing that he got caught with, he was taking because he was tired of having man boobs um, and it had nothing to do with steroids. Oh, yeah. Also, a, a common side effect of steroids are man boobs. Would we call those moobs? Yes. <laughs> he has moobs. And I feel, I mean, I feel really bad if he just has moobs and, uh, <laughs> and we're just laughing at him. But it's, I'm sorry. You're, you're in this sport. We're talking about steroids and, you know. Moobs and back knee are are, uh, are are problems uh, that are associated with steroids. So. All right. As much as I would love to dissect moobs for the rest of the show, I want to talk about the Astros bullpen. Josh Fields, is he the new closer of the day to pick up, really? I mean, that's a uh, – can we curse? Uh, that's a crap show uh, <laughs> of a bullpen. Um, and, and I don't – uh, I don't actually see like a clear winner. Um, I still think Cisnero is interesting, but um, you know he had a chance in the eighth, I guess, and didn't uh, didn't do anything good with it. Uh, gave up three hits and a run, and blew the save in the eighth. Um, and you know, even if you look at his recent work, you know, I know that we don't like small samples. In the last six outings. He has two strikeouts and two walks, which is not something that's saying, you know, I need to be the closer. Uh, Fields, at least, uh, has been striking guys out, and he doesn't have good control. But, um, you know, he has an arsenal that allows – yeah, I called uh, Danny Farquhar before it happened. And um, the reason I did that was because he was the only guy in the Seattle bullpen that had the stuff, uh, had the arsenal to, to avoid platoon splits. 
Um, and, and that's why, you know, there's C.J. Lowe in the Houston Astros bullpen who has a lot of velocity, but he's a fastball slider guy. So I, I'm kind of – I don't think it's going to be him. Um, so you're looking at Zide, Josh Zide, Jose Cisnero, and um, – and uh, and Josh and Josh Fields is the guys, you know they do have the the arsenals to to make it work, but uh, Fields is the only one that's doing okay right now. So I guess it's Fields. Yeah, I mean I would say that it's it's Fields. He's gonna get the next save opportunity until he blows the save, and then he'll be back up in the air. Or maybe they'll try his narrow again, and I, it just seems like it's a bullpen to avoid and, and not even bother whoever happens to be the closer today. It's to me, it's just not even worth going after because if you're in a shallower league, uh, a bottom tier closer, unless you're so desperate for saves, a bottom tier closer is basically not even worth anything. So I just think that it's not going to be a bullpen worth uh, speculating on, and any of these players are going to have positive value for the rest of the year. Yeah, it's really important when you're thinking about a 12-team head-to-head league with limited roster spots. If you have four or five closers your starting rotation is probably pretty skim, skimpy. So you're, you're probably talking about a thin starting rotation. And, you know, would you really get a lot of value out of your fourth or fifth closer when it's a guy on the Astros when you could be streaming a starter in there or, you know, pick up an actual, you know, real-life starting pitcher? So um, I think that there are below-replacement closers, and I think that people don't um, always see that. Yeah, all right, let's move along to Boston, where it seems like Xander Bogart is going to be called up sometime soon. I, I can't imagine the Red Sox going with Brock Holt and, and whoever else there playing at third base for the rest of the season. And Bogart has been playing third base in the minors, working on his defense. I see somebody you expect to be called up within the next week or so? Well, I mean, uh, his manager says uh, Bogarts is in the discussion. It's It's got to be, yeah, I agree that Holt is not really a long-term uh, solution. So we're talking about uh, Bogarts or Middlebrooks and who's going to do who's going to do it first. Middlebrooks is obviously the guy who has uh, more, uh, more uh, experience actually playing third base. Um, but um, I just, uh, you know, he's... And he's he, his numbers look fine in, in down in AAA too, but you know they brought him up now for almost five yeah five hundred plate appearances in the major leagues, and he's struck out more than a quarter of the time. Um, so it's hard to say that you know he's necessarily figured out whatever problem that was, and he's going to come up and be fine. So yeah, I feel like they've soured on him. Yeah, there's you know, and what I when I talk to guys that cover uh, Boston, the, you know, they say he's got to figure things out still and. So, you know, just kind of putting a finger up in the air kind of feels like they want to try it. And, you know, now he, I think he probably has close to 10 starts at third base. That's not a lot, but that's 10 starts plus, you know, days off, days before. You know, that's, that's probably two weeks of playing third base. You know, if you're a good shortstop, you know, look at what Iglesias did. Did he play a lot of third base before he, you know, whooped it up at, at third base? So, I think that third base is easier than shortstop. Bogarts was showing himself to be a competent uh, shortstop, and there's a little bit more fire um, behind him. So I, I think uh, it could be Bogarts. I'm not saying necessarily, though, that he'll be much better than Middlebrooks um, in his first attempt at the big league. So, you know, I think maybe the average be a little bit better, maybe more 260, 270. Uh, but he, he does have power and speed. It, it just you never know how much that will manifest, especially if he's, he's probably you know, playing the eighth spot. 
how much are they going to let him steal? He doesn't really have great stolen base power. So, you know, 260 with uh, league average, a little bit better than league average power, maybe. Yeah, another guy who's going to be a big hyped prospect who's probably going to be better in real life than in fantasy from the get-go. And I'm sure everybody's going to fall over themselves to pick him up if if he hasn't already been picked up. And, and he's somebody that, again, unless you're in a deep league, I just wouldn't bother with. Anyway, yeah. let's get to our last topic, and that is the Braves rotation that we've talked about in the past. But now it's coming to a point where Paul Mahalam is probably going to be returning maybe within the by the end of the week. I think his spinal rotation comes up on Thursday or Friday when he possibly comes off of the DL. What do the Braves do here? Because Alex Wood has pitched very well, and I finally got a chance to actually watch him pitch. And I really liked what I saw. Because he's got the stuff, he's got very good velocity for a lefty, and uh, he's got a quality, what is that, change-up and uh, maybe a slider or something, uh, or a curveball. And, and plus he's got that deception with that crazy wind-up. So, plus he's a, a big ground ball guy. So, strikeouts, ground balls, deception, I mean, this is a guy who's really intriguing long-term, but he has very little experience, so... I, I really still can't imagine them moving Chris Medlin to the bullpen and opting to keep Alex Wood in the rotation when Mahalam comes back. Yeah, I think this whole Medlin to the bullpen pen thing has been crazy all year. I, I mean, I know his numbers aren't that great, and there are some other people that are better off, uh, you know, numbers wise. But there's nothing there that says to me that he's not at least a league average starter or better. Um, and you know. I think that he has upside beyond. He's shown in the past. And, you know, they've got two young guys in Wood and Tehran that, that have options. So, I, you know, I don't, I don't really – I've never really bought into the meddling to the bullpen thing. Um, you know, we've talked in the past – one thing that I will clarify that we've talked about in the past that Alex Wood doesn't have the innings. Uh, you know, he actually has a little bit more innings than I thought. Uh, he's such a recent draftee that um, – in 2012, he was actually in the uh, in college. So last year, and they actually signed him so quickly that he actually pitched 50 innings plus his college work last year. So he has 155 innings in 2012. Hmm. Um, and that could go all the way up to 175, 180 innings this year. And even if they only capped him at what he pitched last year, which is 150 innings, he would still have maybe 70 innings left. So... I don't think that necessarily the reason Alex Wood will go down is because um, of his innings total. But I do also think that Chris Medlin is, is fine and the Braves are fine. And, you know, they're going to be as cautious as possible with their young guys. And Wood did just get rocked the last time out. Not that that's a, a big deal, but, you know, that, you know, they, they could have seen something there. They're like, oh, let's let's work on this. So there's just too many, you know, Alex Wood has options and he's young. And I think that he's a, an obvious guy to go down for Mahalam. And as much as, as he's exciting, maybe he'll go to the bullpen, preserve his innings, you know, work on some stuff. You know, I don't know. But I do agree with you. Long term, as long as he's he's really weird, um, then uh, then I think that he has, you know, strikeout per inning plus high ground ball rate with good control. I mean, there's everything. All the boxes are checked other than, you know, longevity and, and and but you know Chris Sale has been great and everyone said the same things about him yeah I mean at the very least I think that Alex Wood should stay with the big league club an arm this good throw him in the bullpen 
make him a, a multi-inning guy if necessary. And I, I think it would be silly to, to send him down to the minors considering, I mean, obviously they have pretty much a lock on winning the East at this point, but he still can help the team. So, I mean, put him on the playoff roster and, and definitely keep him in the bullpen because he's been murder on lefties, a 147 ex-fip versus lefties. So, and, you know, Scott Downs is not the picture of health, um, you know, and, and it's always good to have two lefties. So, uh, yeah, I do think uh, I do think that he'll be useful. I just don't know that the fans are useful. I would treat him as a as sort of a streamer spot starter, you know, droppable for uh, something that you really need uh, because we're going to see very soon what happens when Mahal comes back. Yeah. And actually, if you're in a keeper league and you're out of it and you're dumping I think Alex Wood makes a very good target, and I would root for him to lose his rotation spot just so his cost would be cheaper, and then cross your fingers that next year he does win a spot in the rotation, and you have yourself a very nice keeper. Because long term, I'm really liking what I see from Wood. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, you yeah. know, just also worth laughing a little bit when you see him <laughs> deliver the ball. <laughs> It's true. Hopefully that deception continues and hitters don't begin to adjust. And it's hard to think that they will because that's some crazy delivery going on. So if you haven't seen him, make sure to tune in. If he does get – he might get another start against the Marlins. It's either Thursday or Friday. So you have the, if you have the chance to watch that, definitely watch it or maybe bring up a YouTube video of his delivery. and, and check Great. It. Great spot start, by the way. Yeah. Hopefully Mahalam doesn't come back and take it from him because I still have Alex Wood on one of my teams. Hmm. Anyway, uh, that's a wrap, folks. So join us again on Thursday for more fantasy fun on The Sleeper and the Bust. For Eno Saris, I'm Mike Podhorzer. Thanks for tuning in.